All right, this is the Leadership to Wealth podcast. And on today's show, we have another stellar guest from the United States this time. He is a military member, a chief petty officer, and he also runs his own business. And on top of that, he has his own podcast as well called The Rich State of Mind. Guys, he uh, shares with us today about life, about marriage, about kids, about what it's like being a military member and trying to uh, build a business. Today's show, we have Anthony Ritchie. All right, welcome today, guys, uh, to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. Uh, I've got a great guest here, and uh, welcome to the show, Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much for Anthony Ritchie. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for inviting me, allowing me to be on this uh, podcast, man. I, I love your professionalism, and I can't wait to start talking. <laughs> okay, that's great. Well, I, I I should start right off with you're wearing the T-shirt, rich state of mind. Uh, we grow as you grow. Can you tell me, uh, actually, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do right now? Because you're, you got your hands into a number of different pots. So, uh, my main pot, the main hand or pot that's in the hand is, uh, active duty. I'm active duty in the military right now. So, okay. uh, that's definitely my main job, my nine to five, uh, chief petty officer in the Navy, as we talked about earlier. So definitely takes up a lot of my time and energy, but I love what I do. I really do actually. Uh -huh. And I intend to extend my career out until it's time to retire until, okay. uh, whatever fits best fits my family. Once I hit over 20 years, cause 20 years is when we can retire. But after that, that's when I'll be looking to my wife to say, Hey, should I, should I cut it loose? And yeah. then we'll make that decision together. Uh, after that, what I did was I started, a, uh, my wife and I started a business called strong home properties where we invest yes. in real estate. So mostly we do multifamily. We are actually doing our first single family home but we're doing it. Okay. We're doing a burr. So we're, we're yes. renovating it. So yeah. uh, I, I tease myself. My, my wife teases me on the fact that I don't like to do anything too easy. So not only we're we doing something for the first time, but we're also renovating at the same time uh, just yeah. to kind of go in there with a, a great idea. We're actually turning that. Uh, so it's cool. The single family home actually has a standalone garage. So I'm turning into a, a, a auxiliary dwelling unit. So that it, I could turn it to an Airbnb. So I'm trying to change it up a bit. They call it a yeah. Burr B. There was somebody on a podcast that called it that. <laughs> so that's what I'm kind of doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Rich State of Mind came about. So Rich State of Mind came about about two years ago. My wife and I was yeah. in the kitchen. And I was like, there are so many things that I've learned about real estate, marketing, uh, entrepreneurship that I couldn't find from YouTube. I just had to find out on my own, you mm -hmm. know, and I was like, I want to be able to do a podcast or some type of content creation, which because we start off with the blogs too, to where we can fill in the blanks. And so that's what I kind of strive for with the podcast and our uh, website, where we kind of fill in the blanks of those general topics, but we go a bit deeper. Uh, and okay. that's also with the book that we're writing. That's also what we intend to uh, uh, pretty much focus on. And so throughout these episodes, I, I wanted us to focus on uh, kind of in a chronological order. So I talk about mindset in like season one, some of the beginner steps of starting real estate investing. And then you'll see in season two, how we kind of amped it up to, you know, high level marketing, 
commercial real estate syndication so that the person is kind of growing with the podcast and uh, yeah. not only getting probably some spiritual and mental healing, but at the same time, identifying their uh, strengths and weaknesses as a leader, figuring out in today's time how to market themselves, because just because you have great content, if you don't put it out there, nobody's going to hear it. Yeah. So understanding that portion, understanding how to, to delegate. Uh, or as one of my, my uh, guests said, you have to delegate to elevate. So that's and that's real or working on the business versus working in the business. Yes. Uh, these are concepts that you will not uh, grow without uh, understanding those things. And because we all have the same 24 hours. So I've really yeah. have appreciated that that experience with the Rich State of Mind um, podcast and the website, because not only has my listeners They've grown, but I have too. So that's kind of where you know we grow as you grow. Because as I continue to get more knowledge and growth, that means allows me to provide more content and more uh, different features that I intend to add to help uh, our audience. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So you're still in the military, and and you're building all of this out at the same time. Yes, sir. That's amazing. That's yes, amazing. Um, Wow. Okay. So, cause you've got your hands, I mean, a military career is full in and of itself, much less <laughs> yeah. adding everything else. It, it has been. Uh, so it's interesting. And and that's why I have this, having the support of my wife has been awesome because I actually yeah. just came off of sea duty, which for those that are um, definitely familiar with how the military life works, especially the Navy, sea duty is high, uh, arduous, you know, competitive uh, uh, duty. So you're always you know, I'm usually actually waking up 345, 430 in the morning to get to work by six. And then I'm not leaving work until maybe 1600 or four o'clock PM. So it's, yeah. it's, and then all on top of that, we have our deployments, right? We have a time when we're gone. Yeah. So a lot of times I was trying to, uh, like before my duty days, or anything like that, I would try to like front load a bunch of content and get it all edited. So if I'm gone, it can still, you know, it's still scheduled to pop. And then uh, I've been on short duty since May, so it's definitely been a whole lot easier. But like I said, as we've grown, it's it, it does get harder, and I've had to delegate. So I, I definitely uh, contract a lot of jobs out on, on Fever, on that uh, contractor app, because there's just some things I just yeah. don't have the time to do anymore, or I just I have the, I don't really have the patience. Like I built my own website, I tried it, and then after I tried it once, yeah. I'm done. So yeah. I just know I know what to expect. And I, I would say that's something good when it comes to building a business. I would say at least know what it takes or have an yeah. understanding of certain terminology so that when you are trying to task people, they're either either you're you're able to give clear direction or they're able to give you information back on, on updates and you're not it's not going completely over your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I that's that's the military way, is it not? Uh learn learn the job of the man above you and teach your job to the man below. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's uh, I mean, uh, having worked for the military before that, that was one of the things that uh, my boss taught me. And he's like, if you're if you're doing your job, you're doing it wrong. You should be doing my job. And uh, I was like, OK, <laughs> definitely. Um, and uh, he was uh, an old sea dog as well. Uh, 30 years in, in the Canadian Navy. But de deployments got running multiple businesses with deployment how long do you normally deploy at a time uh so we usually have like small underways in between before we get to that deployment so it's usually yeah. i'm gone for a month i'm back home for three weeks gone yeah. for a month back home for two weeks and then we go on deployment which is about it could be range from six to nine months 
Yeah. Usually you hit about seven, seven and a half months, you're gone. And so yeah. uh, that's where scheduling, you know, your content uh, really helps. Uh, yeah. Or sometimes if you're able to get, you pull into a port and you have internet, that's when you're, you're downloading uh, everything. So, you know, if I hit, you know, Greece or something like that, that's when I'm able to upload something because I connect right. to the Wi-Fi to the Airbnb and then go from there. <laughs> that's great. So while all the other guys are uh, running to... Uh, to the bar you're you're running to the internet cafe to uh to go upload your podcast a little bit, little bit of both <laughs> that's great um okay so so you've got these different elements and um how long have you been in the military now uh to be 12 years in november wow 12 years um okay i I, I want to get into business a little bit but i i, I gotta ask a little bit about the the military career 12 years is long enough for you to kind of uh, be able to look at you coming in and kind of what you've gotten so far and and what you like or maybe don't like or what you're working towards with within your military career. Can you speak at all about, A, what got you into the military and then what you've learned coming through? Uh, so the reason why I joined the Navy was for free school. That was okay. like the biggest advertisement to me that really got me in. And so when I joined, I went, I remember in boot camp, there was a slideshow educating us what the ranks were in different programs. And so yeah. there was an officer program that was available that you didn't need a degree for. So I'm like, well, shoot, I wanted a degree anyways to become an officer. This program is telling me I don't have to be, get a degree in order to get one. So I kind of tossed, you know, going to school out of the window a little bit because I was like, well, my main goal is to be this, to go in this particular officer program. Uh, but as I matured throughout my career, I realized I still needed school. So I did get my associates eventually, and then I'm working on my bachelor's now. So that was something that um, I probably waited a little too long on, but I had to, I had to learn, right? I had to go through yeah. that uh, life experience. Like, all right, I still need to be able to have that in my back pocket. So that's why I joined the Navy. Uh, yeah. what, so what I've learned throughout, since I've been throughout the Navy, I've learned that, yeah, this, and this may be, uh, this may be a little bit of a, I guess I may have a shell shot to some people. I've learned that excuses do not matter. Results matter. And that it, I think a lot of things that is hard, a hard pill for people to swallow is that this world is about what you can provide. What do you bring to the market? Right. Not, you know. And then also understand that your best, nobody cares about what your best is. What matters is that what your best equals up to. And so if your best equals up to saving lives, right? Because it's easy to understand that concept in the military because what, a lot of things that we do saves lives or impacts uh, people's mm -hmm. financial stability. So yeah. th those equations are very easy for us to grasp, but it was pretty much like that. Okay, I get it. You're saying that this is your best, but I'm telling you, it is not good enough. So you need to go back to the books. You need to go back and do more training so that your best doesn't cost somebody their life. Your best doesn't get me injured or your other friends injured or your best does not put us in a position to where now the seller has to pay $30,000 back because you messed up. And so that I was able to get, grasp that concept and it, apply it to the things and how I do things in the civilian side, if that's what you want to say with you know strong home properties and rich state of mind okay yeah. this may be my best but is it providing uh some type of contribution to the audience that i want because if it's not then my best isn't good enough and i need to raise the bar 
And I think that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow because they're like, oh, this is my best. I'm doing the best I can. What more do you want from me? Uh, but that's not how life works. So I would say that's one of the biggest things I learned in the Navy is uh, you have to ante up to what the occasion desires uh, and uh, take constructive constructive criticism. Now, obviously, in the military, our constructive criticism is a lot more harsh and probably be, would be uh, huge <laughs> human resource issues, right? Yeah. If it was in the civilian sector, but uh, get a little tough skin and understand when you need to kind of go back to the drawing board and readjust so that uh, you could be better. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it would might be some human resource issues for for uh, those of us on Civvy Street, but um, it's uh, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. That is, you, you know, I I remember growing up and my, you know, my parents things were things were never good enough. But you know, oh, you did this. Oh well, what happened to what happened to the other two? I, you know, I came home with a 98 on my math test. <laughs> what happened to the other two? And it crushed me in that moment as a kid because I thought, well, my best isn't good enough. And it wasn't until I was much older being able to look back and go, oh, she wasn't saying that it wasn't good enough. She had a different perspective on me and and said and knew that it was within me to get perfect. It was available to me. Um, but this kid that was emotional, he didn't know what was going on. And I and it's interesting what you're saying, because oftentimes someone that's further up the road than you, someone else is going to know more about what you're actually capable of than you even know. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, you're right. Uh, and I think it's part of even it's probably even part of what you teach, because you're sharing about going in on this journey and. And so being further along, you know, hey, you can still do this. You're going to be able to you're going to be able to coach people and inspire people to to raise the bar because you've already done it. And not to be discouraged. Uh, so some people are just naturally talented and can go into something and just rock it out. Yeah. Right. And then others, maybe you have to try a little harder. And so that's kind of the idea. Like, OK, just because I didn't come out and, and do this particular thing and I killed it the first week doesn't mean that I'm not destined to do it. I just may need to go back to the drawing board, like I said earlier, and ante it up. And then when you have a uh, either a, some type of support system or some type of hierarchy that holds you accountable, they're there to tell you to probably the uncomfortable thing versus you telling yourself, you're probably going to get told by them sooner than, than you would tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now realizing that it's, it's not the excuses aren't important. Um, you know, as you were saying, did you were you able to look back and go, yeah, I, I can see how how often I used to make excuses. And now you're like, ah, I got no time for them anymore. Is that kind of how it's it's been created by your time in the military? So I try to make sure that I don't become the thing I, I didn't like. Okay. So, uh, so when I first joined the Navy, I had some people that were above me that I was just like, I, I never want to be them when I grow up. And right. so uh, now that I'm in a position I am now, or at least for the last few years, uh, where I've had the most leadership I've ever had, I try to make sure I remember how I was when I was just joining. So when some of the sailors give me uh, some excuse or reason why they didn't do something, I try to make sure that I am doing it unbiasedly. Because one thing that... Uh, 
I've noticed and I've had to be corrected on, like somebody's told me when a higher leadership than me is that everybody's not you. So you may average four hours of sleep and be able to function off of that and still be productive. But the average person is not doing that. And they don't, yeah. they're not even that passionate because they're a 19 year old just trying to figure out life. So yeah, yeah. if I'm a 19 year old just trying to figure out life, I don't have the drive and the passion to average four hours of sleep for six months. I'm yeah. just still trying to, you know, figure out life. So that was, you know, me trying to get back to the drum board thinking, okay, when this person is telling me these things, I need to listen, figure out how to maximize their potential this, and talk about, you know, maximize their strengths and work on their weaknesses. And then we go from there. And then obviously still make sure that if they do something that a typical 18, 19 year old or junior sales trying to get away with, I, I call them out on that too. So there's a, there's a fine line to be on. Uh, and, but you have to go, you know, both sides disciplinary slash mentor slash big brother, you know, yeah. uncle, like there's so many roles that you have to play in order to hold them accountable, but still develop them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you're, you're almost playing a father, father role in some of these situations. And, um, you know, you're still pretty young yourself. Yeah. So it's kind of been mostly like big brother. Cause I picked up rank so fast. Uh, yeah. there were still some people that were not that much younger than me, but yeah. they were low, uh, low enough ranked than me for me to still be in charge of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in truth, I, okay, so I've got all of the gray. You can't, you can't help it. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you. If someone's looking at you, I'm sure high school girls are still hitting on you. Uh, oh, that'd be you, crazy because I have a daughter in high school. But one, <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I've got a good buddy of mine who is my age, and he still looks like he's in high school. And uh, you know, you definitely that's awesome. Uh, that you, you obviously look really, you look extremely young for your years of wisdom and experience. And I, I know you, you would probably still consider yourself young, but um, uh, you know, you've got a lot that you've done in a relatively short span of time, right? You, most people, if they have a military career, that in and of itself is, is a huge thing. You've got a military career. You've started a, a real estate business and you've started a podcast and you've, you got a wife and you've got kids. Yeah. And uh, now, how, how many kids do you have? Three. Three kids. Okay. Um, and, uh, and you know, how roughly what age group do you are your kids? So you said one be, is a teenager. So one is about to be 16 in about a month. And then I have yeah. an eight-year-old. And then we also have a one-month-old. Whoa. So, yeah, they're Whoa. all in different parts of their lives right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, they're all going to be like, they're all in different decades. Um, that, that's yeah. Some, yeah, they are in different yeah. decades. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's, that's interesting. How do you, how do you balance that? Um, my wife is big on focusing on uh, family meetings, family time. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's easier to also balance because I look at it as our teenage daughter is going through her phase of life and we only have to focus on her on that phase of life at that time. Right. So she's on the process of taking her SATs, doing, you know, trying to look for colleges so we can focus on all on that. Our eight year old, yeah. he's just trying to play soccer. Right. Yeah. And, and fly drones. So I can focus on that. <laughs> the one month old, she's just breastfeeding and sleeps. So we can yeah. focus on that. Uh, so I look at it, I look at it as that I know people are really big on like having kids back to back, but 
I kind of like how we have it right now as far as being able to focus on each kid uh, in different in different ways or different missions. That that's really interesting. Uh, that's <laughs> different missions. Found a way to bring it in the military. Um, yeah. That that's uh, that's really interesting because I had my kids all back to back. I've got four kids. Had them very close together. Mm-hmm. The the strength of that was, you know, we went through the same things, all the same thing, diapers, all the same time. You know, <laughs> each stage you're you're hitting all the stage, and you get really good at each stage and you know exactly what's coming at each stage and right now they're all they're all hitting their teenage years um and uh and so yeah i'm i got a bunch i got four teenagers you know and nothing new under the sun I, i'm like and none of you are as bad as i was so that they're it's fantastic uh, awesome. i don't know i don't know about you i was a bit of a troublemaker um in those years because as a teenager that was the first time i realized a i had a voice and um, and I had some physicality to me, which I didn't prior to that. Were, were you much of a troublemaker? Uh? So uh, high school for me was like, I guess my coming of coming into myself. I was a uh, very introverted up until about 11th grade. Um, yeah. Was that nerd? Really? Then I actually I would have a crush on a girl a whole year and didn't speak to her. <laughs> so it wasn't until my 11th grade year and I met somebody named Antonio Whidbey, actually, who helped me kind of come into myself. So I'm going to make sure I share this to him so you can you know, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, and he helped me uh, have more confidence in myself, what my thought process was, because it was a lot of things that went through my brain on what I wanted to do. But uh, I did a lot of stuff, but I knew when to clamp it off so that I wouldn't get in trouble. My other yeah. friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not so much. But I knew when to kind of like, hey, guys, this is getting kind of crazy. We need to end it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And and you uh, you live in New York? No, no. I live. I am stationed in Virginia. Oh, you're Virginia. Now. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, Norfolk? Yes. That's yeah, where I'm stationed. I, no. Yeah. Because that's the uh, that's where you guys have the uh, the base. Right. So. Yep. Um, but you're I. I believe I read somewhere that you have a connection to New York. Is that correct? Yes, yes. My wife and I, we're both from the Bronx. So we're oh, both okay. uh, born, born there. So Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that is our connection. Still got family up there, too. So we go up there once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, – I've actually uh, – I spent a little bit of time in the Bronx um, when I was in my teenage years. Um, a uh, My friend had family there, and uh, – we caused trouble up here in Canada. Went down there and caused trouble down there too. Um, but you guys, it, in the Bronx, man, you guys took trouble to a whole nother level. Um, and yeah, I was like, yeah, oh my different. goodness. Well, back then yeah. in particular, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember back then um, the uh, if there was an issue in the streets, the cops had come to the top of the street, turn on the lights and the sirens, but they wouldn't come down the street. They'd, they'd wait, they'd wait till the shooting's done. And then they came down the street. And, um, cause I remember my, uh, my friend's cousin, he, he was like, man, I got to get out of here. Cause look, so-and-so's died. So-and-so's died. So-and-so's died. Like yeah, I that's why eventually my mom moved me down. Actually, my, my mom moved me and my uh, siblings down to Virginia actually. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, I had gotten to altercation with a kid and he like pulled a knife out on me. So, yeah. That was like the final straw for my mom, and she was just like, "Yeah, we're leaving." Yeah, yeah. 
um how did how did that shape you as you so that yeah. did not shake me as much and i'm not going to say it because it was common i don't know it's just you know you are a part of the environment yeah. but I, I will say that what shook me more was abruptly leaving my foundation yeah. uh yeah. because we left without my father actually my father didn't come down there till like another six months so it was like the first time i did not see my dad every day uh yeah. I, I was used i was highly integrated into my family i had family that lived in queens uh harlem yeah. Roosevelt Island. So I was always seeing them all the time, actually. I can actually uh, think about it. I remember being over their houses more than my own. So yeah. that was very different. Uh, and I remember leaving the Greyhound station and my father was staying, uh, was down in the garage as we were leaving, uh, waving. So, and I was yeah very young. So that is what kind of got me or kind of resonated with me a lot more than anything. So I can only imagine, right? You know, a lot of uh, military children, right? And they always got to leave every three years. How something, yeah. how, how something like that can affect, or and I guess in my son and my kids' cases, right? When I got to go on deployment, and they see my yeah. ship going away. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So. So where? What's the? What's the purpose behind the, the strong homes? behind the the real estate company what, what's the thought process there um so the biggest the first thing was learning financial literacy i didn't yeah. have any as much i knew how, what not to how, do how did you realize you didn't have it uh when i realized i made too much money to be broke <laughs> okay so you realized you were <laughs> broke one time yeah because I, I didn't like how I, was, I, I felt like i was living paycheck to paycheck oh i felt like more in particular i felt like i was living to pay bills yeah. And so okay. I didn't like that feeling. I don't no, like wait, the feeling. Wait, how, how old were you at that point? So 24. Holy 24. crow, man. Man, you're ahead of your time. Okay. Uh, smart man. man. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even start thinking those things until about th 30. So, wow. All right. Okay. You're the man. Well, 24 years old. Well, because I always wanted to kind of do more than what I was already doing. Like I knew, I just didn't know how or how to do that, how to yeah, get there. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was exposed to, first I, I learned financial literacy and understand, you know, debt, debt snowball method, uh, you know, pretty much lowering your expenses, what's a need, wait, wait, what's wait, a wait. want. Wait, I got to pull you back. I got to pull you back. You, yeah. you can't just tell me, oh yeah, I realized I was broke. I felt like I was going to pay to, then, and then, and then all of a sudden, how did you make that leap to go? Uh, all right. I think I want to learn something here. How did how did that happen? Uh, I started Googling like 10 uh, how to get out of debt, how to stop living paycheck okay. to paycheck. And so, you know, you know how Google Google even finished the rest of your sentence and then all these things come up. And so that's yeah, when yeah, I, yeah. I saw a bunch of videos on YouTube. So I always say I went to YouTube University on financial literacy and yeah. uh, I started applying a lot of the things that I learned because I wanted to. Uh, make that uh, make that change in myself, and I, and I had you know I was responsible for you know a little one, so I definitely wanted to uh, make sure like, all right, Anthony, you're going to retire from the Navy eventually. How is this going to all end out? You know, pan out? Are you just going to have what are you going to have to give to your kids other than just a handshake? Maybe you know, good job when they hey, you know. They, Hang on, you're 24 years old. You were already married and already had kids. Yes, yeah, 16. Yeah, you'd have to. Okay. Holy yes. crow. 
So, um, yeah, so that happened. Started making a change. Uh, actually, I was married to my uh, my ex-wife at the time. So, okay. Yeah, so that's, but so I got her on board with everything that I was trying to do because she yeah. saw what I was trying to do. Like, hey, we can do X, Y, and Z with, you know, with the kids, with the fam, if we do these other things. And so a lot of people, they go by uh, just pretty much like don't do anything, right? They cut everything out. But it's hard to oh, try right. to completely shift an entire family into that thought process. So you have to kind of do it in stages because then you just kind of have a disgruntled family. And I'm so I'm simple. I can eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich and a pizza all the time and I'll be fine. But it's hard to explain it to your wife. I explain it to your kids like from calamari one day to now, you know, Vienna sausages. So what I would do is uh, every four months, that would be our benchmark to uh, pretty much, you know, do a gift, a gift ourselves for me reaching some type of financial milestone. Yeah. Uh, and so that was helping with our you know, sanity throughout this time frame. So we paid off like fifty five thousand dollars in three years. Wow. And that was a huge, huge milestones. Uh, I look back on that and I'm glad I did it because it provided a lot of flexibility with the cash that I have. So it's like giving yourself a raise when you're paying off these debts in the midst of me doing that, uh, paying off my debts and getting more flexibility with my actual income. That's when I got uh, introduced to one of my coworkers at the time, he owned a quadruplex in South central Los Angeles. So I, and at the time I had lived in South central. So I, I went over there to, he checked out, you know, he helped, let me check out his place and he showed me how he renovated the other apartments and how he was living in one. So he was house hacking before I even knew what house hacking was Yeah, yeah. because his mortgage was paid for because the other three uh, tenants were paying the rent. And he told me he used his VA loan to get that, property so i'm like you know and the big thing about va loan is you know no money down so i'm like this guy got a four you know four unit building no money down outside of some you know he has to pay for inspections and stuff like that but essentially you know no money down and you know at the time in 2014 2015 the la market was booming because it was still recovering from 2008 so you know he gained like 80 grand of equity in like nine months now, I can only imagine that that property is worth a million dollars now because that was seven years ago. I, you know, we were talking about that. So I'm like, OK, this is awesome, but I'm not ready yet. But I really okay. am intrigued on this. And so that was still on 14, 15. That was 15. So four years later is when I was like, OK, I'm going to do this. And uh, that's when actually my current wife and I actually got into business and bought our first uh triplex together and where I, I use my va loan and so you have to you have to it is considered your primary residence so i had to vacate one of the units but i ended up going on deployment and then just ended up renting out the room anyways because i went on deployment right, right. Uh, so that was my first learning experience and then that's when we were like all right we need to make this to make this serious and then turn into a business and then that's when we got the operational agreements between her and i uh, we got the, um, you know, built the LLC, uh, make sure, you know, obviously you want to talk to your bookkeeper and your CPAs, because when it comes to tax time, you want to yeah. make sure or you get your proper deduction. So uh, that's how we started. My mindset started and then shifted into eventually passive income. So financial literacy, getting your emergency fund, make sure your debt to income ratio is low or eradicated completely. And then you yeah. shift into investing, figuring out how you can provide uh, wealth, generational wealth. But you can't you can't skip to generational wealth 
if your finances and you don't have are not in order, you don't have financial literacy. I want to I want to come back to that for a second uh, in in a second uh, the generational wealth and that um, something you just kind of shared there you started this business um, with your wife and then and in between things went south mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know that and that was what a four year period from there to pretty much like uh, five years. Five years. Uh, can you look at that's a that's a pretty big transition in in all of that. I mean, you, you're married. How long were you married there? Uh, three years, three years, three so years. And then three uh, years. But we were together for like 10. Like oh, 10 man. Years. Yeah, that that couldn't have been easy going through all of that. And, you know, and you got a business that you're that you were trying to start and mm -hmm. you, and you got the family and. So I will say this, like, you know, for anybody going through divorce, um, they, 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 they call it divorce like financial suicide, right? Because there's so many finances in order. So that was part of the reason why, like, I waited to even start investing. Because I would probably say I was ready, probably ready in 2017, yeah. right? But uh, I will say that it's not really a good time, depending on whatever's going on in your family. If your family's not ready, then you're not ready. Yeah. And so if I'm going through a divorce, then that means I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah, um, smart. Uh, so it wasn't until uh, definitely at least, you know, le being legally separated is when I was like, all right, boom, let me go ahead and the first chance I get. And I'm glad I did it because, uh, you know, because of COVID, because of, you know, housing shortage, you know, our homes have grown in value, like very, very high, very much. Yeah. Uh, so perfect timing when I decided to get started. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, anything like divorce or any type of separation of family is uh, hard, but. It yeah. was definitely a learning experience as far as family dynamics and how how important it is for me to be home for my kids. Like so yeah. important. Uh, there are a lot of um, single moms out there because I know the, the general aspect is that mostly it's the moms, you know, raising kids and the dad is yeah. doing whatever. Right. Yeah. And so um, with me knowing that and how that can impact my kids, I, I really take uh, that serious on being involved, especially when I'm, I'm on, I'm active duty. So active duty, right. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I can be gone a lot. So when I'm home, I try to make it as effective as possible. So. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let me just ask a question around that because, you know, obviously you guys were together when you were young and then, you know, that, that didn't work out and you've gotten remarried. Is there anything that you can, especially where we're talking to a, a younger audience, mm -hmm. um, can is there something you can say about that whole process of of finding something? Like, there's so many yeah, people oh, yeah. that are right. Like, yeah, what this, the heck? This, I don't know. I can say something you? to that. Uh, yeah. So this is also probably a little unconventional, or what we've against what we've been grown to be taught. Right? We watch a lot of yeah. Disney movies and a lot of rom coms. And yeah. we grow up thinking like, as long as we love each other, that's enough, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say when it comes to finding somebody that's right for you, look for a partner first. You're gonna love a lot of people in life. You're gonna you're gonna fall in love with a lot of people, but are they a good partner uh, for you and for the rest of your life? Uh, are they gonna be in it with you when things get bad, when things get rough, when you piss them off? Uh, do they support your vision? Can you support theirs? It doesn't fit within the family goals that uh, y'all both have, your values, your principles. 
those things need to be identified uh, early uh, so that you can make your your, you know, your final decision on when you want to be spend the rest of your life with this person. Uh, pay attention to those red and yellow flags um, and understand if you need to grow up as well, if there's some things about you uh, that you need to change. Uh, but know that you have to change it on your own. You, you, it's not enough to change it because somebody else wants you to. But yeah, yeah partnership. Look for partnership. Ooh, partnership. Can, can you can you share what you see as some of the red red and yellow flags? So I would say that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. If somebody Ooh, yeah. if somebody is dealing with some inner, you know, let's say inner demons, some things that they need to fix. Uh, then understand you can't fix that for them. You cannot, and you cannot have enough motivation to motivate them to be great either. Uh, so you can, you know, make the decision to step away and, you know, say, Hey, when you're ready, uh, or you could try to, you know, weather it out, but you may lose a piece of yourself along the way. So you got to take that in consideration. And, uh, so that would be one thing that I, I would say I could take from that. Chief, you've got wisdom beyond your years, my man. You got wisdom <laughs> beyond your years. That that is some gold right there. Um, who if if you guys aren't writing this down, you better be writing this down or make a mark on the time and uh come back to this because that that's gold right there when it comes to relationships. Uh absolutely. Uh and and it take oftentimes it takes oftentimes people don't put in the work to even realize that right to, to even get there and then and then um you know much, much less ever understanding that so i, I that's really amazing Whew. i'm glad you mentioned that actually so you talked about work uh maintenance that is also yeah, something yeah. to take consideration like there is maintenance with a relationship so yeah it's the first 18 months or we'll say six months first six months are easy They're very easy but uh if you find yourself when you have at that point when you have to work on your relationship and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, then it's not really the right one for you. <laughs> well, well, I can tell you, man, I've been uh, next week is uh, 19 years for me. Congrats. And I thank you. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, I've gotten to the stage where I'm like, I ain't want to put in the work. I've been through this. I've been through that stage a few times where I'm like, no, I don't want to put in this work. And, um, and then you know you put in the work, and and I'm glad that I put <laughs> glad that I put in the work, um, because quite honestly, we're we're at a place that I couldn't have ever, I didn't even know existed, to be honest, in our marriage. I I didn't even know this place existed, and some of the lessons that you're even sharing, uh, I wish someone had shared those with me when I was younger, as in, you can't put in the work for the other person, right? I, I I remember thinking, oh, if if I just love her, she's gonna, you know, she will blossom into a wonderful rose, a wonderful flower, and uh, you know, it'll it it's all on it's all on you, bro. That you know, people would be like, yeah, the man's the leader of the family, and you gotta, you know, your wife will I've be been, able to blossom. I've been told that before as as well, and uh, you know, the person that told me that I had asked him. Uh, I guess he gave me that advice about five years later. I said, you know, so, you know, now that I'm divorced, you know, what do you think about the advice you gave me? And he thought it was, he thought it was funny yeah. uh, because he knows, you know, uh, you know, about my, my, my marriage now, you know, how happy I am. And 
how that's kind of working out for you know for me and he thought that was pretty interesting perspective because you do have a lot of old school people who just stick it out yeah and uh you you obviously i can't speak to everybody's situation everybody has their reasons but yeah, yeah, yeah. um i at least want to be happy coming home every day i think that's my that is my gauge of when i know i'm where i want to be obviously mm. there's some bad days and some horrible arguments right but if yeah. you want to come home every day I, to me that's when you know you still want it yeah because uh i know there's times i'm pretty sure there's people who can relate to this where you sit in your parking lot for probably 20 minutes before you come in the house because you don't want to come <laughs> you don't want to go in the house so uh <laughs> yep Yep, I can. Oh, you got me. I I've been there. I, every day after work, I used to come home and I'd like part. I'd get in my driveway and I'd stop and I'd be like, oh. and and I kid you not, I, there was a period I I had to pray every day. Uh, I'd say a prayer and then I'd go in the house. Now, um, some honestly, some of what you just shared would have helped me at at that time, right? I didn't know. I I didn't know. I thought it was my responsibility to do a lot of that work. Yeah. And uh, somehow I'm, if I'm doing it right, then it, things are going to change for her. And then you realize after a lot of fighting, after years of battles of years of up and down, Oh shoot. It's her job to work on her. And it's my job to work on me. Yeah. And you can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. No, yeah, right? you're right. No, yeah, you're right. Um, and that's kind of go back to what I was saying about like you can't really push. You can have enough motivation for two people, but it only probably yeah. gets them to do one thing, one or two things, and then they back to where you know where they were at. And also to understand where you go wrong. My father used to tell me a lot: if you want to see change in somebody, then look where you can change yourself. So yeah. definitely, I looked at um, myself a lot. I'm like, what can I change about me? Uh, and I think some things I realized too is just it's just me. It's just who I am, as yeah. well. So it was kind of yeah. an interesting process because me being still young, I'm still I'm still learning a, a bit about me, and I'm also going through my yeah. own uh, young adult um, phases, ideas, wants, desires, yeah. and what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, I would say I was I was probably the most consistent with is that I, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in, and right. I'm, I'm also a planner. I've always been a planner as well, and. In my sense, I met the guy I mentioned earlier, Antonio Whitby. My confidence has, has, has always been there to achieve something, even if I don't know what I'm doing, but know that it's possible because there are other people out there that are doing it somehow. I don't know how, yeah. but they're doing it. They're accomplishing yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll just say this last thing on that, um, you know, with regards to relationships, I one of the things and and what you were pointing out about the other person is like for instance my my wife will she'll be mad about something and she'll come after me and throughout the years i again i thought it was my responsibility to fix the situation so i i was a typical guy let me go in and go fix whatever i'm fixing of course it didn't fix anything just usually caused more problems and um and then i the moment i learned to answer whatever it was and she's still upset and i just kind of was like okay i i get that you're upset uh you're allowed to be upset um but i'm gonna go back to doing what i'm gonna do now yeah okay? and I, not i'm not being a heel about it 
And so like, I, I get you're upset. You're allowed to be upset. I, now I'm going to go. Yeah. And then I, I would leave and, and then she'd be like, okay. at first she, it would make her mad. After a while, she realized that I legitimately was not holding it against her. And it allowed her to deal with whatever emotions, whatever things she was dealing with. And then it's amazing how things just sort of started resolving themselves. And I didn't have to be the one responsible for figuring them all out. So uh, I, I got to say, man, if you learned the, that lesson that you've learned at, at that age, good for you. Because, uh, yes. yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a lot more stubborn and dumb, quite frankly. It took me... <laughs> It took me a lot longer to learn. Um, wow, thank you for sharing about that. I, I know that's that's kind of a sensitive topic to get into, um, but I appreciate you you sharing well, about that. Um, if do you mind if we jump back into uh, yeah. strong homes? Yeah. Okay. So so tell me what are what's the because you talked about generational wealth, and I got to be honest, I hear this thrown around all the time. Like mm -hmm. people like build generational wealth. And and I it's it sounds nice. I mean, it gets talked about from the pulpit, uh, you yeah. know, talking about generational and generational curses and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And I'm yep. like, and and I think it's almost become a this nice little term, but nobody even really knows what it what does it mean and why should we care about any of these things? Why should we care about generational wealth? I I've heard the likes of. What's his name? Dan Pena, who said, I'm not leaving any money to my kids. I left them knowledge. Uh, why would I leave them money? If I didn't give them enough knowledge, then I'm a dummy. And I and I messed up as their father. I so, saw an article about that with Jackie Chan and his son, too. Ooh. Can can you say anything about that regarding generational yeah. wealth? So yeah. you're right. Uh, I think generational wealth has been thrown around as much as people say, I love you. And without people maybe necessarily knowing the true meaning. Uh, or understanding what it really takes to uh, to get there and how to maintain it. And so we all can agree that we don't want to, those of us that didn't grow with a silver spoon in our mouth or didn't have an inheritance, we can all can say, hey, I just don't want my kids to be where I was growing up. Mm. Yeah. And so we've tried to figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? So passive income comes in, assets, stocks, all that. And so earlier before we start, I think it was before we started recording, I talked about how people can replicate that because a lot of people, let's say I do strong home properties. I have real estate. There's so many things within real estate that can lead to getting a deal. I could be good at marketing. I could be good at finding deals. I could be good at crowdfunding and raising money. Right. Yeah. I could be good at the contracting, the renovation side. So there's like five different things I just mentioned. So I have strong properties. I want to pass it down to my son. Well, he's not like me where I'm a good underwriter. I'm good at writing out deals and finding out what the good deals are. But maybe he's good at networking and marketing. Yeah. yeah. Building relationships. So I fit him. I say I find that about him and I fit that into the business. And that's how I continue the business or generational wealth. Now, that was an example if. You can get somebody in the business, but there's other ways to do that, too, because there may be, uh, let's just say he's not into it at all. Like, hey, dad, I don't want nothing to do with that. OK, so what are you into? Uh, I actually want to do barbershops. OK, you want to do barbershops. 
Well, what are barbershops usually in? They're usually inside of retail plazas, right? Well, that's also real estate. So how about this? I will buy a commercial property if you can start your barbershop, but you also got to get two or three other businesses in there too, because I'm not going to do it for you unless uh, you can fill in these other places. So, yeah. you know, I'm allowing him to do the footwork, but I'm also keeping things within the business, right? Because he's just paying me rent. Yeah. So I'm still, you know, the, the, the money's still flowing within the family. And then now yeah. we've expanded to now barbershops. And then uh, it's my job as that parent to educate myself and all and him and get him as prepared as possible. So there's different ways to where you can still, you know, intertwine maybe some of the things your business identity already does into what your children are trying to do. And you just have to kind of uh, get in, in line with that. Some people, they just say, like, you will do this. And then that's, you know, to honor their family, they'll do it. And that may be right. the type of kid that you have. Uh, but a lot of other times, especially if you don't want them to fail, completely fail in what you did when you die or when you retire, you have to figure out how to uh, best fit them in there and then hire people that's going to run the other places, uh, entities or uh, parts of the business that you used to run so that it's still right. uh, going smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, that that is uh, that's really smart. That's really interesting. I um, one of the things that I had thought along those lines was. I don't remember where I heard it. They were like, just to be able to afford a kid, you need to have a house just to be able to afford uh, each of your kids. So I was like, okay, well, I got four kids, need to have four houses um, and one for each kid. And then I sort of morphed that into, I sort of morphed that into, all right, well, here we go. We got four rental properties. Now I'm going to, this is the inheritance I'm going to pass off onto. Yeah. Here's, you can do what you want with it. You can sell it, take the money, you can run it, keep it going. You can do whatever. Um, but I, I even like what you're, what you're kind of sharing with us here and creating is you can take a tailored approach and see what their interests are and, and help nurture that. Yeah. And so that then they have an opportunity to, to see the power in taking that piece over right mm -hmm. uh, taking taking it over as opposed to i've also seen this where um with my in-laws my father-in-law has built uh, this really big business but none of the kids want the business because it involves going uh back home back to another country running it there they don't want their lives are all here they don't want to do any of that stuff it doesn't it doesn't even matter the money that's available to them if they go back and run it. And so um, what you're talking about is, is really interesting. How, how did you come upon this type of wisdom? So hold on, I'd have to look at, maybe it's still in my phone. It may not be, but there's an audio book I listened to about five years ago. Yeah. And it talked about, let's see, my library. It's probably not in here. But yeah, there was a book I listened to about four or five years ago about generational wealth and how to replicate it. And that's the hardest part for somebody that has created wealth is figuring out how can your second and third generation continue to keep the wealth going? Because usually by the third generation, the, the wealth that was built is usually squandered. Yep. And so um, most some pe most people I say are, are still alive by the third generation. You're probably 80 in your 80s. Right. But to have great mm -hmm. grandkids old enough to start using that trust fund money 
yeah. or some of the resources. And so I can imagine that's a big frustration for a lot of people, but you have to figure out how to uh, still apply the, um, the resources that you amassed over the years and how it can still benefit the family while getting everybody involved to continue to grow, uh, mm -hmm. grow it. And I think also too, you have to have a either a mission statement or a clear direction of where the family's going. And it has to continuously be drilled. Otherwise you just have people just doing what they want in your family with no direction <laughs> of where that money's going or what the purpose of it is. Right. Right. Um, because, and this, this is something I've seen in uh, being in real estate, being in, um, in private lending and finance. One of the things that I've seen is that you can literally see the difference between someone who has earned their money and someone who has gotten it. I'm going to say the wrong way or gotten it too fast. Um, there was a, a gentleman that I, who was looking for, I can't remember how much money he was looking for. Um, and he was looking for a loan and I declined it. And um, the person that brought me the request, they said, why would you decline this? This person's worth $39 million. And I said, this person's going to be broke in, they're going to go bankrupt in about six months to a year. And uh, they were like, what are you, you don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. And when I looked at it, I saw that there were lessons that were not learned along the way, right? Because there's just, there are just things. If you, to make $39 million, you have to learn certain lessons to get there. You talked about processes and all these having advisors, putting different people in place. And I just looked at it and I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so uh, because he's got more money going out than coming in. And then when I looked at it more closely, I saw he made almost all of that money within a five-year span. And, uh, and so he rode the market up in a quick, uh, really quickly. And then sure enough, what happened, he was spending it actually even quicker. And then, um, within, actually it was, it was six months later and he was, he was, cause he didn't get one approval and, uh, for what he was building, wanted to develop. So what I, I it just made me think of that when you, when you were talking about, uh, learning the value of money and, and why are we doing this? And even having a mission statement for the family, right? Because otherwise, if those lessons don't get passed on, I think what you're, what you were just saying is it'll get squandered faster mm -hmm. than, than it got made. Yep. And Neil, sorry to interrupt you guys, Neil, I'm uh, just on a, on a call here on the side. So when, when you're done, just wave at me and I'll, uh, I'll stop, I'll stop the broadcast. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. <laughs> What, what's, oh, sorry, let me just grab my timing. Okay, yeah, got it. All right. Um, are you still good for time? Yo, yeah. Okay, because um, I, I had, uh, I had the, you were booked until 3.30, so no, I got another 30 minutes. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, not that we have to stay that long. I just, um, I feel like there's there's so much more to dig in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't even really gotten into the, uh, to the podcast yet but um okay so three two one so what i'm what i'm really hearing is that it, these lessons um if it's not if it's not taught it that that gets lost yes it, and it has to um 
it has to not get watered down as the generations go on. Uh, you got to stay cons mm. cons consistent with uh, the principles and values that were taught at the beginning from whoever how started it, the wealth. How, how does it get watered down? So I think I think it gets watered down by people's own ambitions instead yeah. of staying to what the family goal is. So I could still have my personal goals, but never allow that to detract me from what the family's main goal is. So if like for the Richies, if in 2021, the Richies goal was to make sure that we build a school and scholarships, then I need to make sure that I'm contributing towards that process vice worrying about building a nightclub, you know, that I want to build, uh, that will come, but we have to make sure we stay on task of what the, the Richie plan was for that particular quarter or, or year. And so like in the book, it talked about having family meetings, each head of each, uh, family, a part of the Richies will come meet, say, Hey, this is what we're going to be using our funds for in order to build up the family wealth. So like I said, like, let's say we build a school or build scholarships that will help. So everybody needs to put in 10%. And then now you can go ahead and do the other things that you want. And obviously whatever uh, proceeds come out of that, we split it. We all split it evenly. Wow. That's, that's some brilliant stuff right there. I love I it. Thought it was, I thought it was perfect. Uh, like having a family office, you know, meeting yeah. up collectively having a, uh, everybody. So there's only one, there's one bank account for everybody that everybody puts the money into that one pot for those yeah. family missions, I'd say for that quarter, for that year. Yeah. And so you have a person that is in charge of that bank account that acts out what the, all the families, the head of the families decided to act on. And then that's how you keep the part of the way you keep the family wealth going. That's some smart stuff right there, man. That, that's some good stuff right there. I hope you guys are taking note on this stuff. Uh, that That's that's good. Um, okay. So um, what's, let me just ask a question. What's the goal for, um, for strong homes? What, so, what's the, what's the ultimate goal for that? Uh, ultimate goal is actually freedom. So I intend to still to do my 20, but obviously if the opportunity came about, I, I would get out and do the reserves. Yeah. But the, uh, so I would say the ultimate goal is to amass the middle. So it's called like the middle, middle class of real estate investing. And so because uh, you have your guys that are, you know, mom and pops, they're doing, uh, you know, single family homes, small multifamilies. And then obviously you had the big, you know, hotels and stuff like that. But in the middle, there's a middle market that's commercial sized properties. that's like 40, 50 units, stuff like that. We want to master that that market and build it up to where I sell a portion of the company to uh, to a company that wants to run it. And then we can move on to something else. Uh, and so that's how that way we still keep it within the family, but we're still having it ran by somebody else. So now I can say, all right, let's just say a million dollars is made from that a year from us just not doing anything to it. And then now we can move on to do uh, something else that we want to do that's maybe bigger. Uh, I think that's the when it comes to family business or building businesses, something may be your baby, but you I don't think you should make it so much your baby that you find yourself running it. Uh, to the point where it's taken over your life. And at a certain point, well, why why were you doing it? You were doing it so you had the freedom to spend time with your family, the freedom to develop your kids. And so, or spend, spend time with your wife, go on vacation. So that's the ultimate goal. Build, uh, have a great portfolio in the middle market, 
provide a lot of um i'm really big on providing affordable housing that's something that uh and maybe it might be another episode we have to talk about but during covid i i really got very uh intimate with my tenants on being able to provide affordable home, home uh, housing and being able to put them into rent relief programs so yeah. that's something really passion i'm passionate about and then also trying to help and develop those tenants on what their resources are in order to uh, be in a better position. So and that, that's kind of like a, the side thing inside of the, what, the, what I'd like to do with strong home properties, what we currently do and, and at a bigger scale, because when you start getting into commercial properties, you're changing, you're changing cities and towns, right? Because if I'm adding a hundred, a hundred unit building, I'm, I'm also adding a hundred people or a hundred families into a, a community, therefore more people to get uh, for jobs. So to fill in those job positions. So that's something that, uh, that's the big picture with strong home properties. Wow. Dude, I, I, um, I don't want to sound condescending, but I'm impressed. I'm impressed because oh, no. <laughs> I was, uh, man, I was not thinking a lot. Like I, I'm into multifamily now, but I was not at, at that point in time. I didn't even know that that was a thing at, uh, at your point. Um, and so I'm, it's really interesting because you're, you actually mentioned that you, you got into multifamily investing and now you're doing a single family. Yeah. Um, the, the Burr and right? B kind of got me thinking. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think that's a, not a, I want to say untapped market, but that is a, not a saturated uh, yeah. market right now because in a lot of, a lot of uh, real estate markets there, there's no more room. You've, you've mm. built as many homes as you can in Los Angeles. You've built right. probably as much as you can in New York. Right. But what can I do? I can add an auxiliary dwelling unit behind my house and make yeah. it in a good neighborhood that yeah. is affordable rent for somebody yeah. that wants to live in a new good neighborhood, but they don't have the funds. And yeah. so a lot of uh, cities uh, or states are really, you know, they're really getting into that. And so yeah. I looked at that as far as a, hmm, well, how about a B Airbnb? Because I've been in Airbnbs where they're, it's just a standalone garage or it's just a garage. A part of a house yeah and so i'm like okay if we do the renovation on the house single family house because I, like i told you underwriting is my thing so yeah. i'm crunching the numbers and i'm like well i'm gonna make a cash flow just off of the single family house that person paying rent because it's being renovated so we make you know it's i buy it for 130 after finished renovations is 160 but the house is going to be worth 220 so all right we got 60 grand in equity the rent's going to be about 15, 1600. And then on yeah. top of that, I can average about 15 to 2,000, $1,500 to $2,000 in Airbnb. So I'm cash flowing or my revenue will be 15 plus I'll lowball another 15, $3,000. So my mortgage is $900, but I'm, and then let's just say I have $300 I put aside for expenses, $1,200 I'm being, being spent, but I'm getting $3,000 a month in cash flow. So I, I think you can't really lose with that. And I don't have to worry about repairs because everything just got renovated. I don't have to worry right. about repairs for a long time. So what is yeah. that? Like $1,800 left over? Yeah. So so do you do you have, um, do you do this all on your own? Do you have investors that come in with you? Uh, my own. So I'll tell you in particular how I did this deal. Uh, so I had to get creative. So I used the VA loan. Yeah. And then uh, I used my own money for a down payment on, the du a duplex. So usually that's what I do. VA loan, down payment on a property. So, but what I just did with this single family home and what people can do is 
I'm using a 15% renovation loan. So I'm only putting 15% mm -hmm. down of whatever the house, I, you know, I purchased the price for plus renovations. So mm -hmm. w whatever 15% of 160 is, which is, I think it's less than, it's less than, no, it's 24 grand. It's about 24 grand. Okay. But how I did that was I just sold uh, one of our multifamilies. I sold it okay. and I, we got $54,000 from the sale after the mortgage was paid off. What I did was a 1031 exchange. Oh, right. And so yeah. what a 1031 exchange is, is that you are able, when you sell a home, in order to not pay taxes on the profits, you can put your money in an escrow as long as you agree to buy a house within, I think they get 45 days. Uh, it's got to be the same value or more. Now, it doesn't have to be. It's, so if you don't end up meeting that criteria, what you could do is called a boot, where you end up booting the rest of the money left over and you have to pay taxes on that. So if I made 54K, I can boot the 30K left over because I'm only investing 24. So that 30K gets taxed instead, which is yeah. fine. I take it and do something else with it. But you don't don't stress yourself out by having to find a, a property of the same value or more. You can't yeah. boot the rest of the money left. Though. So I think a lot of people get stuck on that and they start to stress themselves out because they can't find a good deal of the same value or more where you could probably maybe find a better deal that's cheaper. And this is what I did. I actually found this single family home with the Airbnb potential. And it's cheaper than the house I just had and brings me more cash flow. So going smaller doesn't mean that you lose. As, if, as long as the cash flows, you know, more yeah. than you won, you know, unless you're shooting yeah. for equity. But even I still win in equity yeah. because the neighborhood that I'm invested in is a better neighborhood. So it's right. a win-win. Wow. Um, yeah, we don't we don't have that uh, that program here in Canada. It, I'd love if they ever decided uh, we here we get capital gains. We automatically have to pay taxes on it. Um, there's no option to to be able to boot that um, unless it, there there are some other ways. But most of it re involves um, setting up a, a corporation and doing all of that stuff separately. So a lot of people don't get into that because they don't ever plan on doing it to any larger scale. And um, and so, I mean, that that's OK. It actually just makes it if you're willing to go through the work, it makes it a little bit easier um, yeah. to be able to do it. And it's part of why I even like multifamily investing here is because if if someone has a lot of money, they can buy single family homes. They can do some of this. If you've got a company that a huge company, they can throw away millions of dollars. They don't care if they're losing money, if they're going to build up. They're going to buy a hundred unit building and they're going to build it up over time. They can write off. Um, but there's that, that space in between, um, you know, for us here, it's like 10 units and above mm -hmm. up to say about 50 units where you don't have much competition because nope. someone with just a lot of money, they, they don't have the infrastructure. Right. And, and so, um, and then the other companies, well, it's too small for them to go in, in between that 10 to 50 unit exactly. space. So, the, so they leave it alone. So um, that's really interesting. Now, I, I've seen a big, a big surge in the States, you know, in America for, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Airbnb arbitrage. Yeah, Have arbitrage. Yes, yes. yes. Where, um, where I people are literally going in. And they're not even buying the property. They're actually leasing it and then Airbnb-ing it out. 
So I was looking into that myself because there are some at points in time where I have like 10 grand and I'm like, well, it's not enough to really invest in anything, but it could be an arbitrage. And so it's not a people have to understand that it's not just something you just say to go to other people, other landlords like, hey, this is what I want to do, because depending on where you're at, there are some rules like I know where I'm at in Virginia for Virginia Beach. uh, There are so a lot of rules where people may not want to even get involved with that because that requires a landlord to make those adjustments. And that would, you know, increases their expenses and while you're just racking in all this dough. So it's got to be presented in a way that is obviously beneficial for the landlord and you. And I wouldn't be surprised if the landlord says, hey, you know what? I know you're going to rack in $3,000 a month and my rent to you is only $1,200. I'm going to rent to you for $1,500 because I know you're, you're racking in so much money. So understand that. But uh, also you need to present yourself as a as a business, not as just some person that's just trying to go around and rent out, uh, pretty much sublease out your rooms uh, is definitely a yeah. way to go about it. I had, I had a, uh, I have a podcast episode coming out that goes in depth with that. Uh, with one of my Ooh. people name, uh, her name is Rachel. We're going to her last name right now, but she does that. She does arbitrage, but like, she's really big on like, Hey, there's a particular way you have to present yourself, uh, because there's a lot of ways it could go wrong. Uh, and, and you, you want to make sure that obviously in this business, right, your name and credibility is everything, but arbitrage yeah. is huge. I love, I love easy entry points of investing for people because everybody doesn't have 50 grand to just invest right yeah but yeah. i could be i could pay first month's rent and last month's rent in the security deposit yeah rent <laughs> and i could i could rent out some furniture and yeah. get myself started to a point where then now eventually i could buy my own furniture and uh it's it's a good way with 10 grand you can get started with that yeah yeah wow um i i know that it's an idea that's uh that's been in the States for a while and it's, it's making its way up North here, uh, for us as well. And, um, we, we are also seeing some of the stuff that that you talked about with regards to different bylaws and, um, some buildings allow it, some don't. And there's a whole bunch of different ramifications. In fact, over here, a lot of people don't even understand it. So the easiest thing to do is just say no. And they just kind of turn it down. Right. So um, presentations, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. And, and to be honest, I've, I've not done any of it. Um, I've just been, uh, learning on TikTok. So <laughs> I'm interested. In I'm definitely yeah. interested in it. So I actually, before I even get started, I want to actually sit down with her on a personal call. Uh, yeah. I'm really big on educating myself before I spend thousands of dollars on something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree with you there. Okay. So come on, tell us a little bit more about the rich state of mind podcast. Cause that's where they're going to, people are going to find you. They're going to get to learn this stuff. I mean, uh, strong homes is where they're going to be able to in potentially invest with you if they want to come after you and chase you down for that, <laughs> which, uh, but if they want to, if they want to learn, the place that they got to come to is rich state of mind. And so, uh, you know, how give, give us a little bit about rich state of mind podcast. Uh, so the first thing um, about rich state of mind podcast is that I, I want people to go into it with uh, an open mind, a different perspective on maybe how they've been looking at things. Okay. Uh, and so I, I take I, I take a while with my the titles of my uh, episodes because I wanted okay. to speak to whatever that person may be going through or thoughts uh, yeah. at that time. So if I read an episode and it says, you know, taking a leap of faith for family, 
maybe that's something in particular that somebody's going through. It's like, you know, I have this nine to five and I noticed that I don't like how I'm not around my kids when they're going to their games. And that was big for me growing up was my parents being going to my baseball games. Right. So maybe that episode maybe speaks to you and what you got going on. And so uh, I want I want you to look at it as trying to be a complete package. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying you have to be perfect at everything, but have a complete understanding of what your strengths and weaknesses are and understand and identify. I could be good at this, but I need help yeah. with that. Yeah. And uh, and understand when you get into entrepreneurship and business that there are different aspects you didn't even know existed. And that's OK. But that's where you go there to learn, educate yourself and reach out to people and to. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people have a hard time with spending money on maybe a coach or services and education but I, I want you to think about think about the money you spent on that car or that watch or those shoes mm -hmm. right did what value did that provide to you and your family other than making you just making you feel good mm -hmm. but if you listen to this podcast which is obviously is free but you listen to the people that are on there that provide services think about how much money they're saving you and time by using their services or just listening to that podcast because that's how you should be looking at it if i start talking to this person either my mentor or my coach think about it as they're probably saving me about 50 a fifty thousand dollar mistake and six months of wasted time because the, the the information that they can provide is going to provide value to me and my family so that's that's how I want people to kind of look at the Rich State of Mind podcast, being the total package, putting family first and wanting to be successful for the right reasons. Don't mm -hmm. do it just to be rich. Do it because of what it provides for you and your family, uh, because the idea is to provide contributions, not for you to hoard everything, information yeah. or resources. It's to give it to everybody else. Yeah. Um Guys, I absolutely want to recommend to you guys to go check out the Rich State of Mind podcast um, for for another reason that uh, Anthony didn't mention. You know, Anthony, for for myself, um, you know, being being almost two decades older than you, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the what I would say and the important reason that people need to check out your podcast is because what's worse than losing $50,000 is the time that you lose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I can say that there were there, there was years that I was looking for mentorship. Where could I learn these things? And, you know, of course I'm a, I'm a uh, pre-internet baby, right? So, um, you, once upon a time, you actually had to try to go find somebody. You couldn't just go library. I I, I, yeah, I would go to the library, but you know, it was it was funny that um, uh, someone was when when the internet. I'm not that old, but when the internet came around, I remember I didn't I didn't even know. Oh, this is gonna sound dumb. All right, I'm gonna say it anyways. I didn't know that you could type in and say real estate mentor or real estate knowledge or that just didn't come to like, no, you gotta, if you go to the library, you're going to have to know the topic and then the librarian's going to help you. And then they're going to come get you yep. down in, you're going to have to read a bunch of books and then you kind of get an idea. And, um, 
you know, that was, I literally, I didn't even know to think, like, I didn't even think that you could even do that. So, um, so what I want people to even catch guys is that, you, you know, go to, go to the rich state of mind podcast and, uh, you know, check it out because it shortens the time as well as saving you money. Cause you can't get, you can get the money back. You can make the money back like that and more, but you, you can't get the time back. Once the time's gone, time's gone. So yeah, right. uh, please, please check out my man here. Um, add that to it. Anyone you're talking to, you tell them, tell them that I said, uh, don't, don't waste your time. Cause all it adds up to is more gray hairs and, and less, <laughs> less hair too. But anyways, <laughs> so, um, okay. So what's, what's next for you now? What's next for you guys? Uh, so professionally, uh, what's next for me as far as in the military is, uh, submitting my package to officer program. So that's what I just recently did. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, the results come out and, um, in the ward room as what we call it for being an officer. And then for rich state of mind, I would like for it to get to a point where I am able to do coaching. So I'm working on a few things. Like I mentioned earlier, okay. I think before we start recording. Uh, working on a book and then also providing coaching services. So biggest thing is to have people listen to the podcast, have people read the book. You don't even have to read all of it before you start coaching with me because it's going to be like a 150 page book. So I won't expect everybody to do that, but just to understand what you're getting yourself into and what's yeah. the right mindset to have before getting into it. Because like I mentioned earlier, I'm really, I really like easy entry, easy access points of investing. And so when I mean yeah. easy, doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to still do your education part right? Or yeah. research. But for the individuals that don't have, like I said, 50 grand to just get into that, but they want to do it. Right. Yeah. And I always say that you, you could, you could do a lot with 36 grand a year annually. You could do a lot with it, but it's how you spend your money. It's not how much yeah. you make, it's how you spend it. Yeah. Uh, so if I can get you to think like that, I can get you to maximize that 36 K you make a year in order to build your income and do, do different things. Love it. Love it. Guys, you got to go check out the Rich State of Mind podcast. Uh, go check out Strong Homes. Uh, go check out uh, the the Richies. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yes, this is. Hi, I'm Mr. Richie. I am Mr. Richie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, my name doesn't flow quite the same way, Mr. D'Souza. It, it just doesn't have the same flow as Mr. Richie. So, Neil um, D. Neil D. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, and I do do use that one. That's funny. Um, well, guys, uh, thank you. Uh, I Guys, I want you guys to go check out the podcast. Um, you know, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on thank you. and uh, sharing all of this with us. And then on top of that, I mean, I may be Canadian, um, but having worked with the military, having seen uh, members that have military members that have gone overseas and uh, come back, uh, even, you know, whether army, Navy, air force, um, you know, I really do appreciate all of their, uh, contribution to our way of life. And I know that, uh, you do the same, um, in the U S and so, uh, absolutely. Thank you. Cause I know that you provide no matter what people want to think about the U S and the military agenda and all those kind of things. At the end of the day, you put your life on the line uh, for uh, your nation. And so I want to thank you for your service to the U.S. And uh, thank I thank you. you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you awesome. very much. Well, guys, 
That's uh, that's my man, Anthony Ritchie, here today. And this is the end of Leadership to Wealth. Today, we'll see you guys again uh, next time.